A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rotor Report podcast in association with the Sunday Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back for the, I guess it's a review slash preview slash general whinge slash look ahead optimistically, probably round off with some positivity type pod because joining us is Craig. Hi, I'm Yes. Good evening. Uh, Good you've evening. missed happy clapping out of the intro. So we're yeah, going to, have to try I, and I am a happy get some clapper, sort of excitement going. I've certainly been branded worse than a happy clapper. <laughs> I'm going to have to do quite a bit of happy clapping, I think, after the uh, the last few days of uh, Sunderland, aren't I? Because having lost against Ipswich at the weekend, we then followed that up with a draw with Crew Alexandra League Two Crew, who then beat us on penalties and knocked us out of the League Cup. That's the fourth time in six years we've went out in the first round. Safe to say we don't take the League Cup very seriously at Sunderland. You know, people didn't really turn up in their numbers. It was a low crowd. I was one of the idiots there. So were you. Yep. We were both there. I was sat in an awful seat in the southeast corner with my knees pressed against the seat in front. I absolutely hated it. So I moved round to um to the south stand for the second half and it was a little bit better. A weird night, wasn't it? It was a weird night. It's, I, I can't get used to watching football in uh, when the ground's like that. I went, the Mallorca game was exactly the same, where they only opened basically the the southeast corner, a bit of the south stand, and a bit of the east stand. And it's just a shit way to watch football. Like I'd rather the play that friggin' Appleton or something. It would make more sense. At least I don't know. It was just it was just naff, wasn't it? Trying to watch a game of football like that. I'll I'll uh, yeah. I'll not, I'll not be I'll not be rushing back next time that happens. <laughs> Logistically, I think we can kind of understand the reasons why. Just consolidate everybody in a, a safe space together, um, reduce the costs and the overheads. Um, yeah, I, I get it. It's just crap, isn't it? A little bit too far saying it was a sellout at some points, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's one of them. And it's, it, these games, We obviously every year, it's normally the second game of the season that you play in the League Cup. Is the round obviously you want to win every game you play, even in pre season? I was like, you know, the player footballers are, are that competitive that they want to win a game of tiddlywinks. If you if you put them if you put them against each other or a game of cards or you know head tennis or whatever it is, they're going to want to win because to be a top level athlete, you've got to be able to compete all the time, and then it's just wired in them to be competitive. So the players will have wanted to win the game, but I just can't imagine that it's a it's particularly inspiring running out there. One stands open, you know, <laughs> you've got the crew fans at one end. There's about 30 of them. 
you know, it just it, it was naff, really. Like, it, it, I always think these games, especially when you play at home, they're they're just like it's like another pre season game, isn't it? You know, pretty yeah, much just an extension of pre season. Yeah. yeah, you know, pretty much the same players played in this game that played in the last pre season game, um, at Hartlepool, and yeah, it, it, I mean, I wasn't I, I wasn't expecting much. I didn't. You're a bit like me. We if we're playing, we'll turn up because I just I like going to the match, you know. But like I never went into the game thinking, oh, we must win tonight. We must win tonight. And when the when when we lost on penalties at the end, I don't know if you were the same as me. I just didn't feel anything. Even when we were scoring the penalties, there was no anticipation. I wasn't feeling excited as they hit the back of the net. It was just a bit like eh. it. It did. It just felt like a friendly, didn't it? It was. It was a pretty weird game. Yeah, and I think um, I think the majority of the crowd probably felt the same as well because at full time they all got applauded off for the second consecutive game, and I mean I think really the only people who were invested were like all of the young kids who sort of like flocked to the very bottom trying to put their players off. But I think you know like all in all for sides like us and probably the vast majority of the ninety two the league cup it's 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 really just an unwelcome distraction, and if you think about it. I mean, there's no prize money to be had unless you go all the way. You look at last night, as you've mentioned, it was the lowest ever League Cup crowd at the Stadium of Light. It's probably reasonable to suggest that it cost us more to put that on than we actually brought in last night. And I think it's just an unwelcome distraction. I think the big takeaway I would have for it, like I say, obviously for these sorts of games, you know, it, it is played at a tempo of a, a glorified pre-season friendly And I think there was a couple of players in there once again who've really missed a big opportunity there to stake a claim for a, for maybe a starting place or, or getting in a squad. There's a couple of people who are really not grasping up that opportunity at the moment. I'm Look, like I say, I'm always disappointed when we lose a game, but it's certainly not the disaster I think that many people are trying to really sort of... You're telling me. <laughs> exaggerate, I suppose, because it, it just it seems to have gone crazy you know, over yeah. the, past, the past couple of days. Yeah, it seems to have added fuel to the fire effectively. I, don't, I, I think people have issues at the minute with certain things going on and not not getting through to the next round and, and winning the game, I guess, has just given people the opportunity to pour even more fuel onto that fire and uh, to carry on venting about issues they've got. And some of them are, are justified. Some of them, I feel like people are going on a bit too daft, if I'm honest. And I've wrote about this on the site. I wrote a wrote a piece just up on rotereport.espionation.com if anyone wants to read it, just talking about some of the reaction to things, particularly online, you know, and, and I've got to I've got to say this, you know, there'll be people listening to this who don't use social media, and I think majority of what I'm saying is on social media. Coming out of the ground on Sunday, there wasn't a big um, outpouring of grief or anger. People weren't coming away from the ground and, and venting necessarily, and it was the same after the crew game. People people didn't exactly leave the ground and start kicking off. The ones that were there sort of quietly left and just, you know, got home like I did and like you did. But you know, you look on on particularly Twitter. Is it X now? I don't know the difference now. The artist <laughs> formerly known as Twitter. Yeah, yeah. You head onto Twitter and it's like absolute hell broke loose. Particularly after the game and and then going into the into the morning, people talking like this meant something, and. I mean, it didn't. All of the issues that people are raising, really, are issues that we had before the game. And it's just, you mm-hmm. know, we need a striker. Everybody knows Sonnen need a striker. Christian Speakman's well aware. I'm sure it's his job to find one. Tony Mowbray is well aware because he keeps getting asked about it. And and I've and I said this in the piece I wrote. I think he's answered the questions really well. 
when it comes to strikers and transfers in general. I think I think he's been really calm and um some people have misinterpreted some of the things he said. If you actually read what he says, I think he's pretty calm and he's Tony Mowbray's been here before. He's a very, very experienced manager. He knows what he's talking about and he's got a great relationship with the man who buys the players and that's Stuart Harvey. And that was one of the messages that he um that he gave after the game was trust in Stuart Harvey. He said, you know, give him give him a chance. He's you know, and, and he, he he actually name checked him and I can't remember Mowbray really name checking him very often. So he seems pretty calm about the situation. I think he knows that there's good news around the corner. And I think the big sort of point I would like to drum home is that, and people might not like this, but we've just got to be patient. It's good. Like I was listening to um to Talk Sport earlier today and they were talking about West Ham. I, th- I think it was, it might have been Darren Bent actually, was saying like there's a, there's a massive dearth of strikers available on the market at the minute, even at, like at that level. You know, when West Ham have just made over a hundred million on a player and a, a catch rich cash cash rich even, um and and have money available to sign players, even they're struggling to find a striker. And it's not you know, it's not just Sunderland who are looking for players. There's like I and I said this in the past as well, you know, everyone's looking for players. Everybody's looking at a squad with three and a half weeks left till the end of the transfer window. And saying we need more, we need more, we need to bring more players in. You know, Sunderland are no different. It just so happens that it's a centre forward. You know, you look at our squad, we're pretty strong, I think. You know, we're still a handful of players away. And that's been highlighted in this, you know, like in this crew game, you look at the squad and we're probably are a handful of players away from being ideally where we want to be in terms of the, the overall picture of the squad. Up front, we've been pretty unlucky. You know, Stewart's still injured. We've known about that for a long time. We bring in Hamir, who's had a good pre season has a, a pretty quiet game on the opening day and people are or some people are already writing him off. Again, it's just social media, but you know. And the lad that we've signed as backup got injured in his first uh, training session. We we haven't got the options up top and we know we need to strengthen. But other than that, we're, we're pretty good. Like I'm I'm not sensing the the absolute disaster that some are. I seen I seen one comment earlier and I'm sure you saw it, but someone described uh, I was talking about Christian Speakman overseeing Rome burning and things like this, and I'm like, <laughs> like what what are people actually going on about? Is it is it really as bad as what people are saying? Or am I just going mental and like sitting here as a bystander who's seen pretty much everything happen to my club over the years and, and thinking like, you know, I've seen us in a lot worse situations than this and we still have a lot of time left to to recruit the players we need. Why are people panicking? Yeah, it'd be probably wise for maybe to, uh, people to stay off social media, take a step <laughs> back and, and look at the bigger picture for, for where we are. Uh, don't quote me on this. I think we lost maybe 14 or 15 games last season. It's probably reasonable to suggest that we're going to lose a similar amount of games this season. And I know people, they do this thing and they go, you know, we shouldn't be losing this because we get 40,000 fans through the door. But like, it's football. You are going to lose games. I think it's worth noting obviously for the Ipswich game because we we haven't discussed this yet we'll go back to that because I suppose it's the the real positive that way we're clutching at the moment but you know we were technically very good in that game for large periods and even when we went down to 10 men we were comfortably the better side and perhaps you know give us an extra couple of minutes who knows we'll maybe sneak an equaliser and the whole mood changes um yeah it did feel a little bit samey as last season and perhaps we haven't ironed out all of those mistakes as of yet but 
I'm still looking at this very much as the fact that you go back about 10 weeks ago, we were three hours of football away from the Premier League. And if we're, you know, looking towards the end of the window, like we did last time, that's when we got Ahmad. We're, we're basically waiting for Premier League teams to make their moves. You know, there's a lot of clubs interested in Tom Cannon at the moment. And I've seen that basically they want around a million pound. I think what Everton are probably looking at now is who's prepared to either, you know, stump the cash up, up front now because they're desperate or who's just going to play the waiting game and then run into the final days of the, of the window and then strike then. And I think at that point, that's when you'll see a lot of movement in and out of Sunderland. So, like I say, who knows? But we've got a couple of weeks, yes. I can't imagine there's going to be a flurry immediately because we're still working hard on targets. And look, and I know there's this idea, perhaps, that we're running things on a shoestring. We're running things on a, on a tight budget. I'll agree that we're running things on a tight budget, but it's worth noting as well that you know, it's been nothing but expenditure since this new regime. We haven't actually sold one of our star players as yeah. of yet. We know we know it's going to happen. It is going to yeah. happen. But it's been nothing but expenditure. So, look, every transfer we've made so far, they haven't all been, you know, plain sailing. They haven't all been great. But the overwhelming majority have been pretty good. So, yeah, for the moment at least, I think they've still got enough change in the bank to basically have that patience from us and, and, and a bit of trust. I could understand if we're, you know, scraping relegation battle last season and we've kicked on and we haven't improved, but there is notable improvements in that team. We've yeah. only seen a small part of Job so far, but Christ, that lad's got some talent. Yeah. We've brought Chris Rigg through from the academy and if we were to touch on him from from um, the crew game, I mean, look, what an achievement that is. He's already, yeah, you yeah. know, breaking records. He's the youngest ever League Cup goal scorer. He's the youngest ever Sunderland goal scorer. He's got a massive part to play. And like I say, it's, it's going to be a long slog, but I'm not very much in the mindset of writing the season off after one league game and one extension of preseason that nobody will ultimately remember about a couple of months down the line. Yeah, well, that, that's something that... Um, that's basically what Lee Catamole said when he was on BBC Newcastle this week talking about um, talking about the crew game. He said, yeah, it's, you know, as footballers, you're disappointed, but you'll not remember that game come the end of the season. Nobody will care about it. And and that's the way I feel about it now. I'm just not really bothered, you know. And I and I did try to draw positives from the crew game. There were some, you know, the people who were there would probably agree with that. There were, there were positives from the performance. It wasn't all doom and gloom. Um, first half wasn't particularly great. I think it's fair to say. And um, Tony Mowbray talked about how he was just. I think he was frustrated with the fact that some of the younger players were a bit scared to take mm-hmm. chances. Um, and penetrate what was a a pretty static crew defence that was there to get at. And it took, you know, it, t- it took maybe Alex Pritchard being selfish at times to try and get shots away. It took bringing on Bradley Dack. It, it, it took, you know, bringing on Etwell to try and up the tempo to, for Sunderland to really um, gain any sort of foothold in the game. But, you know, there were positives from the performance. Like, I, I don't think it was all doom and gloom, really. You know, you, you mentioned Chris Rigg. Every time I watch this kid, I just think there's a, he has to be a first-team player now. He has to be considered part of the squad, playing regularly, not starting every game, but featuring as part of the squad. Because if he was 22, 23-year-old, and he'd performed like he did in pre-season, and he'd performed like he did in this game, I think people would be calling from the start games. He knows where mm-hmm. the back of the net is. He's not scared to get on the ball. He speaks very well after games. You, you you get the impression he's quite a smart lad. He's quite switched on. So his performance for me was a positive. He, you know, like I say, he looks every bit a first team player, and he took his goal really, really well. 
I think he came close again before that, didn't he? As well, you, you know, he's he gets involved at the top end of the pitch, which is you can't you can't have enough of those types of players. You know, we've talked about Bradley Dak and what he might bring as an attacking option, and like Rig is that type of player too, by my reckon. And I think he's uh, I think he's got to be considered as a as a strong option going forward. You look at the you know the rest of the team. Bishop made his first start and got some minutes in. Zach Johnson made his first senior start. I think that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Triant has started and he didn't have the the best of games, but he was all right. You look around the rest of the team. I think um, Crompton came on. He made his first proper appearance for for Sunderland, and that was on the back of playing pretty well in pre season at Shields. Dak got his first appearance in the Sunderland shirt for forty five minutes and. You know, the probably the big highlight of the game for me was his link up with Pritchard, both on the same wavelength, both playing together like they've played together for years. Uh, he looks really tidy. He looks, you know, he looks like he could be a, a good addition, Dak, once he once he gets up to speed and stuff. So, you know, like I say, it wasn't all doom and gloom. You can look at it and think they're League Two, we should be beating them, and that's that's absolutely right, we should be. But, you know, if I'm trying to pluck positives from the game, there were a handful. It is worth noting though. You know, on on the result of yeah, like I say, it's people say it's embarrassing stuff like that. It's not for us to basically tell anybody how they feel after losing the game like that. But poor poor cup performances are very common. I mean, I'm not sure if you watched Southampton on the telly the other night, but I tell you what, they were they were like Barcelona the way that they were described by their the, the Sky pundits, the way that they knocked the ball around ninety odd percent possession for large portions. They got beat off Gillingham. Yeah, Southampton had a striker. They had Che Adams in their lineup, and he cost what fifteen million pound. And yeah. he, he literally cost more than our entire start, a proper starting eleven, including your Clarks and your Roberts. Millwall got beat four 0 at home off Redden. Stevenage and Salford yeah. both knocked out Watford and Preston. So like, it does happen. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not it's not just an exclusive sort of Sunderland bad thing. Just not to skip past that, but like as you're saying that, I'm looking at the results from the Carabao Cup. Loads of championship teams went out to lower league opposition. Like you only mentioned a few there, um. But the, yeah, a lot of teams got knocked out. I don't know if you mentioned there, but Preston was obviously we played the week and they got knocked out. Yeah, Hull got knocked out against Doncaster. You know, the, 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 yeah, it, it wasn't just Sunderland who who were knocked out by lower league opposition in the in the first round. And I think that's you know largely down to the fact that the lower league teams. When they play against higher higher player sides, take it a little bit more seriously, and that's you know, and they get their they get their their rewards for that. You know, they take it very seriously, mm-hmm. and it's it, that's absolutely fine. You know, it, it is what it is. You know, you, you know, we're not going to sit and like you just said, we're not going to sit and tell people that they're wrong for feeling disappointed, but you do have to point out this isn't uncommon. Like I said at the top, four out of the last six years we've lost at this stage in the competition. It isn't important to us at this stage. People might argue that every game's important, but what I'm saying is that Tony Mowbray made what ten changes? Ten changes to the team. Mm-hmm. Had we had another, had we actually had a fit central midfield player, probably would have been eleven. He rotated Neil and, and Ekwa because uh, Evans is injured, Matetti is injured. You know, had he had players available, it would have been eleven changes, no doubt. You know, it, it, it's just it is what it is. Like you know. I don't actually think deep down anyone's actually that good about the result. I think it's probably just more that the disappointment adds to other things, issues that people have got with the club at the minute around recruitment, around 
stuff that's got nothing to do with stuff on the pitch, really. And I, and I don't know about you, Craig, I try and keep the two very separate. What I see mm-hmm. on the pitch has nothing to do with, with what goes on off it. We've used quite a lot of time on the pod in the last few weeks to talk about issues we've got with, you know, the ticketing, with the with the club shop and all the rest of it. And, you know, issues that a lot of fans have got that, you know, we've got those same gripes. But I don't think that having an issue with that side of the club should feed into having an issue with what's going on on the pitch. I think, you know, over the last couple of years, the recruitment side of things, they've got largely spot on. And and I wrote about this in that piece I was talking about earlier. The last couple of years, nothing's happened by accident. Everything was by design. We've improved the squad a great deal by being cute and clever and, and striking at the right time. And um, I think, you know, while I said before, you know, we have to preach patience, I think, because we've got a few more weeks to go before the, the window's shut and then we can sit and have an inquest into what went right, what went wrong, where we where we didn't strengthen, where we did. That, that time will come once the window's shut. At the minute, we've got what we've got. Just like everybody else, we've got issues and we've got holes in the squad. And that was reflected in the results in the first round because, you know, teams like Southampton getting knocked out by... Gillingham, who play in, in League 2, Southampton, who've just been relegated from the Prem, um, Gillingham were 3-0 up until the last minute of the game. And the Southampton team that was out on the pitch cost an absolute fortune to put together. You know, a lot of money spent on that team and they got beat by a League 2 side. We put out a team full of debutants, under-21 players. You know, we didn't have a centre-forward on the pitch. And and yeah, we got beat, but it's not the end of the world. And please don't allow your thoughts on that result to sort of impact on um, on your thoughts on other issues you got with the club because I, I, I really don't think this game was important at all. No, I'm fully in agreement with you. And I think if we flash forward a couple of days, if we get a positive result at Preston, if we get a positive result against Rotherham, like I say People will look back at it and I don't think anybody will bat an eyelid. I think, you know, when we look back at some of the previous cup games we've had, even last season, there's a lot of people really upset the fact that we put Ross Stewart in against Fulham and then he got injured and people were saying, well, why are we we're taking this game seriously? Why have we put him in? We weren't going to win the competition. But I think, I think you're right. I think obviously it's quite emotive at the moment. And I think with everything going on, I think that's what people are really struggling to separate in that sense. But look, off the field, like I say, it's been done to death uh, by us, by just about every fan's site and the, the message boards and podcasts. Everybody's covered it. I think everybody, like you say, have got their own individual grievances with what's going on. Um, I mean, obviously, we know that we've uh, basically appointed a fella who was involved with the MLS. So you would like to yeah. sincerely think that he's going to come in and, and crack on with that. We've heard very positive things. I mean, unfortunately... He's on a bit of a hiding and nothing straight away, but <laughs> his first day was Monday, yeah. so he's like, yeah, straight into the uh, into the fire there on the sick by Wednesday. <laughs> um, good, no, I mean, seriously, good luck to him. Um, like I say, obviously he's got a very difficult job, and I dare say that he's got everybody's support um, mm. because there's a lot for him to fix. So fingers crossed that he um, that he can tackle that head on because for us to basically bring in somebody of that caliber um basically from an actual league the chief marketing position of 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 the mls it's it's a big coup for us so like i say you know that that hopefully should should put us on the straight and narrow for that but um like like you say back to the football inside it's not the end of the world come saturday hopefully we get a good three points down to preston and you know the world will seem a hell of a lot better again 
yeah, why not move on to the Preston game? Eh? Let's try and be a little bit more positive about things. Although that was pretty positive, to be fair. <laughs> we, we've tried to see the, the best in everything. Um, we, we'll move very quickly past that game, I guess, and and the fact that there were some knackers at the end who um, decided to brick a, a crew bus. I don't even... from what I, from what, By the way, on, on that, and I don't want to go into it too much, I guess, but because we don't know the facts, but I think this is happening more and more. And, and a lot of the comments I've seen online from people suggest that a lot of the people getting involved aren't even people who go to the game. They're just people turning yeah. up to look for bother and stuff. So, I mean, I, I said it on social media via our account to the crew fans, like, you know, obviously we totally abhor that behaviour because, you know, it's just ridiculous, you know, and um, it, it's a shame that people think that that's something you should do after a game and, and all the rest of it. But, you know, ho- hopefully that um, nobody got hurt, no, nobody was injured or, or anything and uh, they got home safely and the club can um, try and deal with whatever issue they've got with with idiots attacking away fans, I guess, because it's just a it's shit. But um, but yeah, I mean, Preston. Anyways, the the game coming up. Let's try and uh, let's try and look a bit more optimistically towards that. I mean, it's a big game, obviously for us because we need especially to get in my house. Yeah, especially in your house because you live with a Preston fan, of course. Your your wife is Preston mad, so you you need the bragging rights again, I guess, after winning that game down there last last season at the end of the season. But it's a it's a big game, isn't it? Because like for all the reasons we've discussed, I think people could do with um, a bit of optimism, a, you know, a, re- a reason to look more positively at the coming weeks, I guess. And there's no better way to do that than to win games of football. You know, F- winning games of football changes everything. If we win that game, even against Crew, the the atmosphere is totally different online in the stands and all the rest of it. And yeah, it's exactly the same with this one, isn't it? We've got to we've got to go there and get three points and and, and give our season a, a boost. You know. Only the second league game of the season, of course, but away from home, sold out away end. I think it'll do us well, to be honest, to get away from the Stadium of Light for mm. for at least this weekend. I think when you when we're away from home, we're we're such a different team, and we the the characteristics that we were, were demonstrated last year, just the the resilience, the way that we've been able to dig in and and come back in games. The the Preston game in particular last season was a bit of a funny one because. You know they they were the better side for for periods of the first half. They should have went in front, but as soon as we stepped it up that gear, for you know that ten minute period, it was the best I've seen Sunderland in a long long time. The way that we scored the goals, the way that we're knocking the ball about so fluently and confidently, and um and we've we've got to hopefully go down there and try and replicate it. I think it's probably reasonable to suggest that there'll be players within the Preston squad who'll be looking at this fixture thinking, right, we owe you one. Yeah. So they'll be up for us. It'll be a fairly decent crowd. It's their first first proper home game after the uh, the Salford Cup game. So like I say, it'll not be an easy fixture by any stretch, but you've got to look at these these teams who are going to be in and around us. And Preston will be up there once again. They always are every season. They, they do remarkably well for the budget that they've got. But if we've got any aspirations of being in and around the playoffs again, we've got to, we've got to win these games. We do, we do. And like I say, you know, we, we, we've got to go there and just try and get the season going again. I've seen a lot of people say that they think Sunderland's squad is weaker than the one that ended the season last year. And I, to be honest, I'm looking at Preston's team and I think they look weaker. You know, they've lost they've lost some decent players um, and haven't really improved the side a great deal. It's largely the same players that they've got available, bar one or two. I think they signed Will Keane from, from Wigan and he's a player who... I just find him really weird. <laughs> it 
Is that is that is that the right word to describe Will Keane? Just weird. He's not like a he's not an out and out goal scoring centre forward, but he You know what's gonna happen. He, Keep well going, he done he, he done it, happen. didn't he? Against us when he played for Wigan, I think yeah. he scored against us. He's just a, like a weird player. I think he um he had a decent season for Wigan last year. They got relegated. He managed to get twelve goals. He played most of the season. And I think before he went to Wigan, he, he struggled for a lot of years, didn't he, with injuries and things like mm-hmm. that. So he's got ability. I'm sure you know Preston are glad to have him. I think he got a goal on the on the opening day against Bristol City. So That's maybe right, yeah. you know, change of environment and all the rest of it might do him the world of good. They signed a a new number ten from a Danish club with a name that I'm not going to even try and pronounce. Um, we'll I think just... it's Fro- Frokiar Jensen. I think there his name is. He's uh, he's the replacement for Daniel Johnson. Well, there you go. But yeah, Daniel Johnson, like you know, not a great player, but somebody who's been a mainstay at Preston for a long time. Yeah, Big voice in the dressing room gone. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did they lose a couple more? That's I can't remember quite now. You know, I think they did. Uh, the Brought in the centre half from Wigan. Yeah, he um, was on the bench at the weekend. I'm just looking now. Jack Watmore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he played in the cup in midweek and so. So yeah, that, I mean they've made a couple of additions. Nothing groundbreaking. Preston last year didn't really. They were a very uninspiring team who managed to get results. I guess didn't score many, but didn't concede many. Very organised, you know. Very got the ability in that team to I guess frustrate teams. But away from yeah. home, we showed what we can do against them on the break. And so if they're going to be wary of our pace on the break. They're going to be wary of Jack Clark. They're going to be wary of Patrick Roberts. They're very much aware of what we're about because we've, although it was, what, two, two three months ago when we last played them, you know, not a lot not a lot has changed between the two teams in that time. You know, a lot of the preparation they did for that game will be very similar to this one. And I think, yeah, they're, they're going to be up for it because they're the home team. It's the first home league game of the season. They're going to want to, Put on a bit of a show, and um, I just think that I think that when we go there, we we can't go there and obviously take them for granted. I think you've got to respect every opponent in in the championship because on any given day, anybody can win a game. But you know, at the same time, understand how good we are. I feel like, especially in the sort of the noise around the results in the last week or so, and and the rest rest of it, that people have forgotten actually how good some of our players are, and how dangerous we can be, and the fact that. We we do have goals in the team. Like even this week in the two games that we've played, we still scored goals. You know, we've got goals in us. We've got we've got a lot going for us. And I think we've got to go there and think positively. And I'm sure Mowbray's message to the players will be do what you're good at, play forward passes, get on the ball, get around them, get shots away, get balls in the box for Hamia, because we didn't do that enough against Ipswich. Telling the likes of Clark and, and Roberts, you know, do what you're good at, take teams apart. If we can do that. It could be another two or three nil, like when we played them last time. But if we go there and we, you know, we we reflect negatively on the the, the results we've had this week, and allow that to sort of dampen spirits and dampen the momentum that we've took out of last season, it'll be a tough game, and we'd probably come away having lost or scrapped a, a draw or something. So it's a it's a weird game at this stage of the season, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think in terms of the way the fixtures have come out, you never really want a newly promoted team in your first couple of games. And then having these again so sudden after the last time round, um, it'll be a completely different fixture because they had really nothing to play for except maybe a bit of personal pride um, back in May. But you are right. I think, you know, the, obviously the fate, the failure of the past two games has probably overshadowed a, a lot, really, in respect of just how good some of our players are. And 
you know there were so many positives about getting the business done early on some of these players and some of them for the first time as well are going to come out at Deepdale and they're going to see 6,000 Sutherland fans who are going to be relentless from start to finish. So mm-hmm. they're going to want to put a show on. Yeah. So for the likes of Job coming out and Himia and for, for anybody else who perhaps doesn't start as well, who who maybe wants to stake a claim from the bench, it's it's a big, big occasion. You spoke about having Chris Rigg um, maybe involved a little bit more. I'd love to see him involved. I think in terms of him, he's going to be a bit of a wild card for us. Not many people will know a lot about him. So I think, you know, if, if we're looking for a goal, if we're looking to, to get further upfield, what a way to roll the dice by bringing somebody of his talent on mm-hmm. and especially by putting an enormous amount of faith in him. It's just going to boost his confidence. Yeah, it will. And and Preston aren't exactly, you know, full of full of confidence at the minute. They drew on the opening day, uh, lost on penalties like we did in the in the cup. I know haven't haven't changed quite a few players, but still, you know, they did lose the game overall. So it's not like we're playing a team brimming with confidence and um, you know, it it we we've just got to do what we're good at. Like, if we can get back to that, it won't take long for things to snap into place, and for the optimism to return, and for people just to remember that you know we are a good team, we're good players. Nothing's changed in that regard. You know, players who were really good for us last season haven't suddenly lost the ability to be good players. You know, players who've had decent pre seasons, they're still decent players, and they're going to get you know chances, and they're going to some of them like Hamia, for instance, they're going to take a little bit of time to. To bed in, but in in terms of like the exposure he's getting and stuff, it's invaluable. He's getting he's getting you know minutes in the championship to learn his craft. And while it might be learning on the job, I'm sure if we put balls in the box, if we get him involved more, because we didn't do that enough for me against Ipswich, he'll be a threat to Preston and he'll give them problems. And yeah, just be optimistic. I think is the message to the team, isn't it? Just remember what you're good at. Block out the noise, the external crap, the social media whinging and moaning and all the rest of it and people writing players off before they've barely kicked the ball and and all that just block it all out and just go there do what we're good at and you said before it might do us good to get away from the stadium I think you're right away from home we're a different team we were last year away from home the, the crowds are very different in that we always seem to sell out the away end um vocally supportive from start to finish usually because people have had a good day out and they're well oiled and they're up for it and you know, when you've put that extra effort in to get to an away game, you do kind of um, appreciate it a little bit more. I always enjoy away's born home games. I'm sure it'll be good. You know, I've, I'm I'm really optimistic about it. I'm always optimistic on this podcast. I'm always the one sat here saying we're going to win. And yeah, the, the the results in the last sort of week or so have maybe dampened some of my expectations and some of my optimism a little bit. But I'm not sitting here defeated and deflated because we've only lost one league game. It's not like the end of the world. It's you know, it can all change on this result. So fingers crossed we go there, fingers crossed we we have a go, I guess, because I'm not I'm not sitting here thinking, Oh God, what a hard game this is. Like Preston, yeah, very organised, but very beatable too, in my opinion. And we only showed that what at the end of last season. It wasn't that long ago. So yeah, optimistic is where I'm at, even though we've had a, a difficult few days. 100% agree. Um, Like I say, I, I sincerely hope that all of the listeners have got their fingers crossed because if I've got the journey back from Preston mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, me and the band don't have the bragging rights this time round, it's not <laughs> going to be very good until New Year's Day. Just leave your last there. It's all right. Just just tell her you're yeah, good for a loaf of bread just, and yeah. you know, she can walk <laughs> home. <laughs> but, um, 
But no, look, like I say, look, Sunderland fans, I think because we, we are so conditioned of having so many bad times over the past decade, it can change with a flick of a switch. So we just need to get back to doing what we're doing. And um, I'm fairly confident that we can kick on from here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be fine. Uh, do you want to, on that, do you want to give a score prediction, a, a prediction of how we see the game going? Oh, well... I mean, I'll break the fourth wall and tell everybody that my Preston supporting wife is now in the room. So I'm for for amicable sake. Is she, is she holding the knife? Is she is she threatening you? No, oh, it's a safe environment. I, I'm <laughs> going to go with a one nil win to Sunderland. Great. I'm going to go with the same. I think we I think we'll win. I think it'll be tight. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to be fine. And like I say, if we can come away with three points from this game. I'll be absolutely over the moon sitting recording at the weekend talking about a, a fantastic win, a fantastic three points for the lads. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Can we can we have your prediction whilst we're recording? Um, I think one off. We've got a 1-1 one, draw. Well, that says it all, doesn't it? You couldn't even say a win for Preston. So <laughs> that's how great they are. Now, uh, well, if it's a draw, I think I'll be, I'll be a little bit gutted because... Yeah, I just want to get winning. I want to get back into that momentum, that feeling of winning games. But um, yeah, I mean, a draw wouldn't be the end of the world. I always used, my, generally my rule of thumb is, you know, if you get a point away from home, it's a good point. But given that our away form and home form seems to have switched and away seems to be where we get the majority of our points, maybe a draw wouldn't be a great result. I don't know. But I guess we'll see. I'm finger, Fingers crossed, you know, I'm sat here at the weekend talking about a win. And, I'm, you know, we're very capable and... I think we're going to go there and at least have a go. And I think, you know, we've generally this team, after a little bit of disappointment, responds well. I think we'll do the same. You know, win, lose, or draw. I think they'll go there and they'll at least have a go at Preston. And that's, that's, if we come away from the game and we're sitting here and we're going, well, we got beat, but we probably deserve something out of it. Like we, you, or if we draw the game and we're sat here and we're going, we really deserve to win that game, then nobody will be complaining. Everyone will be happy. I just think that, you know, Sometimes, sometimes we do need that uh, that little boost that comes with a win to um, remind people of how decent things actually are. We've babbled on enough, so cheers, Craig. Thanks for joining us, mate. Appreciate it. No worries. Cheers to the listeners. Thanks, as always, for listening this far to us talk a load of rubbish. Uh, if you want to check back after the game, we'll be back with a pod, I'm sure. Building up the game, though, and immediately after, we will have... Plenty of content over on rotereport.spnation.com. Don't forget that you can catch us on all your social media platforms, including threads, although I'm still getting used to that and I'm not sure it'll um I'm not sure it'll last. It's kind of boring. But uh yeah, we are on threads <laughs> if you are. We're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. We're not on TikTok because I'm not that sad, but um we probably will end up on there at some point because I'm sure Elon's trying his best to force everyone off Twitter. Um, so yeah we, we're, we're about anyway so catch us on social media catch us over on like say rootreport.spdition.com and we will catch you after the game see you there.